Hello everyone, today is March 29th, and if it's Sunday, then this is the Dell. Recently, we've seen the opportunistic scapegoating of China since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. This, coupled with the politicization of China being deemed an enemy and fervent adversary of the United States, has driven a widespread xenophobic passion across our country. To date, there have been at least 3,800 self-reported hate crimes against Asian Americans. Last week's tragic event in Atlanta was an inflection point in a long and violent history of U.S. hostility towards Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States. In this episode, I'm going to give a bit of a history lesson on on this hate. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about contemporary issues of Asian American hate crimes and also pay tribute to the eight victims lost in the Atlanta tragedy. We begin with the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Yes, there was once a piece of legislation passed by the United States Congress called the Chinese Exclusion Act. This act prohibited the immigration of Chinese workers into the United States. This piece of legislation was actually building on the earlier Page Act of 1875, which banned all Chinese women from immigrating to the United States. Another fact, um, the Chinese Exclusion Act was the first and remains the only law to have been implemented to prevent all members of a specific ethnic or national group from immigrating to the United States. Next, we head over to the overthrowing of the Kingdom of Hawaii in 1893. While today we have the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, back then Native Hawaiians had to deal with two other white supremacist groups called the Honolulu Rifles and the Committee of Safety. Back in 1887, as America became the chief trading partner of Hawaii, the King of Hawaii was forced to sign a constitution that stripped his power and transferred it over to American and European elites. And if he didn't sign it, the Honolulu Rifles promised violence. Later, there was a Queen of Hawaii, who was the sister of this previous king, in 1893, she tried to change the constitution and bring more rights back to her and to the natives. The American-led Committee of Safety promptly overthrew her, and she was the last monarch of Hawaii. Five years later, on July 4, 1898, the United States annexed Hawaii as a territory. Hawaii was eventually admitted as a state in 1959. In 1993, the United States issued a resolution acknowledging that Quote, the overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii occurred with the active participation of agents and citizens of the United States, and also that the native Hawaiian people never directly relinquished to the United States their claims to their inherent sovereignty as a people over their national lands, either through the Kingdom of Hawaii or through a plebiscite or referendum. Well, that's nice. And lastly, we come to the Japanese internment camps. 
Shortly after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Roosevelt ordered the detention of about 120,000 people of Japanese ancestry to be put in concentration camps. About 60% of those folks were American citizens. 80,000 were second and third generation Americans. You think about this event in, in our history and, and it gives you pause. It makes you go, wow. More recently, Asian American hate has switched from government sanctioned orders to white supremacists acting on their own. In 2012, there were reports to police of a shooting at a Sikh temple. When the police finally arrived, a total of six victims were killed, four of which were Southeast Asians. Many lawmakers believe most Asian American hate crimes go unreported. Most of the data that lawmakers collect is from a website called Stop AAPI Hate. This is a self-reporting website. We fast forward to the summer of 2020 at a youth rally in Arizona. Former President Donald Trump was asking a crowd what they should call the coronavirus, as if it didn't already have a name. Kung flu is what the former president ultimately decided. Trump supporters at the rally all cheered on as you could hear them echoing the awful term. New data over the past year since coronavirus has shown that there have been nearly 3,800 incidents of anti-Asian hate crimes. These incidents include verbal harassment, physical assault, civil rights violations, and online harassment. The information that was released by Stop AAPI Hate National Report also showed that most of these hate crimes were committed against Asian women. Women were reporting incidents 2.3 times more than men. They also found that the total amount of incidents had risen from 2,600 in 2019, which sounds like a pretty incredible number, to nearly 3,800 in 2020. I now want to pay respect and honor the folks who were slain in our most recent domestic terrorist attack on Asian Americans in Atlanta. There are cultural sensitivities within some Asian communities about saying the names of people killed. We are using names provided to the press by the victim's family. The victims include a loving grandmother who often helped others, a young wife who was on a date night with her husband, a handyman, an army vet, a proud mother of two sons, a gunman took them, and four others. Zhao Jitan, who was 49, was the owner of one of the spas and a proud mother of a recent University of Georgia graduate. Her daughter shared that her mother loved her life in the US and worked very hard to provide for her family, working 12 hour days every day to ensure they were taken care of. She died just one day shy of her 50th birthday. She had plans to share a slice of cake with her daughter to celebrate the occasion. Her daughter intends to bring her mother's remains home to Nanning, China, as soon as it's safe to travel. Dao Yufeng was a 44-year-old Chinese citizen who had been working at Tan's spa for only a few weeks. Little is known about Mrs. Feng, but a friend of hers described her as kind and quiet. Delena Ashley Yuan was 33 years old. 
and was at the spa for a date night with her husband. This was their first night out since the birth of their daughter just eight months ago. Her husband survived the tragedy. Delina is remembered by her grandfather as a very hard-working mother of two children. Her friend described her as a friendly person who seemed to have a light around her that just drew you in. Paul Andre Michaels was 54 and a loving husband. He served in the army in the, in the 1980s. Paul was a handyman at, at one of the spas in Cherokee, Georgia. He was also the only man killed in the rampage. Yonge Yu was a 63-year-old from South Korea. She was a loving mother and grandmother who enjoyed feeding the hungry and doting on her Shih Tzu, named Leong. She was born in Korea, but moved with her husband, a U.S. Army soldier, to Georgia in the 1980s. Her son tells stories of his mom introducing their friends and family to Korean food and Korean karaoke. Soon Chung Park was 74 and is dearly missed by her husband. Mrs. Park made food for the employees at one of the spas and spent most of her life in the New York metro area before moving to Atlanta. Her son has described her as a hard worker who worked not just to earn money, but to stay active. Soon Cha Kim was 69 years old and was a loving wife, mother, and grandmother. Her family says everyone that met her loved her dearly. Her granddaughter said, My grandmother was an angel. To have her taken away in such a horrific manner is unbearable to think about. As an immigrant, all my grandmother ever wanted in life was to grow old with my grandfather and watch her children and grandchildren live the life she never got to live. Hyung Young Grant was 51 and was a single mother of two young men. Her oldest son remembers his mom teaching him to moonwalk while vacuuming and singing loudly in the car with her sons. She dedicated her life to working to provide for her family, and they describe her as their best friend. Her son started a fundraiser for rent and utilities, and after having it go viral, they have said that, my mother can rest easy knowing I have the support of the world with me. As we remember them, may their memories be a blessing. And may we as a nation continue to fight to end the scourge of racism. Thank you for tuning in. This is The Delve. I'll see you next Sunday.